the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Well, we've dug our heels into this revived series, Oh, That First Means That, introduced last year in 2022, originally airing from January through September, comprising 31 programs. But back in May of this year, 2023, by popular demand, we revived and resumed this series. We're on part 50. The original 31 archived sessions, together with these newer sessions, can be accessed at faithtalk1360.com. Search for local program podcasts. Friends, along this journey, my hope is that you've been inducted into the Bible study world as a detective of the divine. Wear your badge proudly, your detective's cap, your spiritual magnifying glass, and your biblical sandals are now your standard equipment, and you're now well prepared to conduct this next investigation into scripture, particularly this last piece of armor. And dressing for the occasion, suiting up, so to speak, with your spiritual warfare wardrobe, as I call it, should be second nature by now. Friends, our detective's gear is a must, so we protect our ourselves from cavalierly and authoritatively bursting out with what we suppose a verse or portion of scripture means. Sadly, much of the time we simply don't realize how often we impose a personal or contemporary perspective on the Bible verses we read and discuss. I've wondered, why do we so easily misuse scripture? Well, Bible scholars were also asked this question, and their answer? Declining biblical literacy. Ooh, questionable Bible translations and preachers who don't do their homework. So yes, shame on us too. Now, I do believe sincere Christians want to know what Bible verses mean, but often gloss over their true meanings because they tend to focus on what they expect or want to see in the verses they're reading. It also saddens me, friends, that we seem to crave our spiritual quick fix, you know, being satisfied cramming in that biblical morsel of bread for the day so we can get back to our own lives. But has God's word lost first place? Is a breadcrumb all we need nowadays? Where's our drive to be sure we're treating the scriptures justly? 
What's become of our desire to respect the Holy Spirit? I mean, he's the author and inspirer of our Bible, isn't he? Have earthly interests supplanted devoting a little extra time to investigate the context or background of the Bible portions we read? This time well spent would certainly guard us from so easily and quickly abusing Scripture and robbing us of the rewards we can reap. Friends, I'm amazed that it doesn't seem to bother us that up till now we've singled out some 49 Bible verses that we've either treated too lightly or we've misconstrued, misjudged, misunderstood, misinterpreted, and then misapplied them. So here again is my appeal. How about we renew our devotion to more faithfully and more carefully investigate Bible verses we believed meant one thing because we're repeatedly finding that these verses mean something totally different. And friends, please be assured that I take no pleasure in aiming a spiritual spotlight at or get any glee from soberly re-examining Bible verses that are regrettably misinterpreted by some of us pastors, teachers, and preachers. And you know why, friends, don't you? Because the Bible has its own story to tell us, doesn't it? It's crying out, screaming out to tell us its story. But what do we pastors, teachers, and preachers, and even average Christians do? We force or manipulate the Bible to tell our story. So I say, shame on us. Well, for the last time, our scripture section under surveillance today will be Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, 11 significant statements by Paul that are crying and screaming out to tell us their story, a story often unhinged from one of the running themes of the Ephesian letter. Today's seventh and final session in this mini-series, Session G, will be prayer, the ultimate weapon, our focus being Ephesians chapter 6 verses 18 through 20, commonly rendered as, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. One long run-on sentence which is typical of Paul with six phrases representing six thoughts of Paul as he winds down this letter to the Ephesian Christians. Prayer is very important to Paul. He engages in it for the sake of others and he's urged others to engage in it for his sake, his mission, and his mission partners as they evangelize the empire. But now he's in prison and conducting his evangelistic efforts from either a dungeon or a cell. Paul really understands his role as an ambassador, an emissary, if you will, of the gospel. Well, friends, I'm going to keep my pattern of reading all 11 verses in this particular portion, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, so we never lose the context or the understanding of the war we're waging and its complexity and methodology. Today I'm going to read from the latest edition, the 2015 NLT, the New Living Translation, a more dynamically driven translation. And friends, I'm aware that in this spectrum, there are good dynamic translations and not so good ones. So I make my choices carefully. 
dynamic translations sometimes use vocabulary imagery that can make the text come alive for certain portions of scripture ephesians 6:10 through 20 happens to be one of those portions that we tend to read or hear in traditional language often and over time may lose its impact and if you've been following this mini series with us you know that in each session i've read from a different translation to keep the vividness of the original text alive so friends here's ephesians 6 10 through 20 in the 2015 nlt a final word be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on all of god's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil and as i've been saying here's where our word schemes appeared for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places therefore put on every piece of god's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil then after the battle you will still be standing firm stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of god's righteousness this being a reference to the breastplate for shoes put on their readiness to preach the good news of peace with god in addition to all of these hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil or the evil one put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of god pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere and pray for me too ask god to give me the right words so i can boldly explain god's mysterious plan that the good news is for jews and gentiles alike i am in chains now still preaching this message as god's ambassador so pray i will keep on speaking boldly for him as i should another running theme in ephesians is prayer there are three segments of prayer chapter 1 verses 15 through 19 chapter 3 verses 14 through 21 and the third segment is chapter 6 18 through 20 today's scripture portion under surveillance the segments in chapters 1 and 3 enable us to more easily connect the dots when we get to chapter 6 verses 10 through 20 Recall now, Paul is educating his readers on how the spiritual pieces of armor are absolutely essential to combat the opposing spiritual forces, those otherworldly forces, those demonic angelic minions under the control of the evil one, Satan. Keep in mind, friends, that at first glance, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 might seem unassuming, obvious even, or easily interpreted or understood. You might even have questioned why we've scrutinized these 11 verses. Hopefully, by now, we all see the reasons. Because there are times when certain scriptures appear to us to be simple enough to interpret by themselves. On the contrary, aren't we finding that great rewards await us when we dig a little deeper and discover for ourselves that the text actually means something deeper or richer or even different? It becomes an aha moment. Some key word or concept just jumps out at us or springs to life and expands our spiritual horizons, doesn't it? Well, as today's Session G signals the end of our final investigative journey into the armor of God, you might be wondering when we size up this first century Roman soldier, what could possibly be left? 
especially since I've chosen this head-to-toe order, you know, the top-down order, and last time we looked at the shoes. What could be after or next under the shoes? Hmm, what could be after or next under the shoes? Well, friends, I've just got to say that many teachers, preachers, and even commentators end the pieces of armor after the shoes. It's like the warfare ends at the shoes. <laughs> but I'm of a different opinion than that. Perhaps earlier when I mentioned today's title, Prayer the Ultimate Weapon, it sounded a bit strong to you, or maybe you were wondering if it was even true, or perhaps you've encountered some segments of the body of Christ that abuse the power of prayer, or make it something it's really not, and so you have an aversion to this idea. And I get that. I really do, friends. In fact, in over 30 years of pastoral ministry, I've witnessed prayer being misused and abused, even wielded as if it was some kind of authoritative spiritual sword beheading the devil or one of his demons. But as I've shared throughout this spiritual warfare miniseries, Ephesians 6, 10-20 function like a denouement, wrapping up the loose ends, so to speak, of several running themes throughout the letter of Ephesians, one of these running themes being prayer, and why throughout this series I've suggested you read the entire letter of Ephesians in one sitting, all the while putting your detective's cap and spiritual magnifying glass to good use, scrutinizing the trail of breadcrumbs Paul drops along the way, so chapter 6 verses 10 through 20 don't come as a surprise, or so that his mention of mutual prayer in 6, 18 through 20 doesn't sound like he's springing the idea on us at the last minute. In fact, friends, today I'm going to suggest that instead of reading or rereading the entire letter of Ephesians, you read or reread the three segments on prayer in one sitting, these being chapter 1, verses 15 through 19, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and then the third segment, chapter 6, 18 through 20, our portion for today. This way we'll get a real feel for what Paul thinks of prayer and how important it is to him. Friends, we need a dose of this from time to time because let's face it, prayer can become stale and dutiful and its life breath can be siphoned right out of us, can it? Well, before we dig our heels in, friends, I'd like to pause here a moment. If you just tuned in, you're listening to A Word from the Word. With me, your host, Pastor Tom. I value you as listeners to A Word from the Word, which is listener-funded. Your financial partnership is vital to keep this program on the air, which also disciples Christians without a church home, and those of you who may have been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. So please join forces with me and A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com. We're living in challenging financial times for sure, and Christian ministries are not exempt from these same challenges. A word from the word is still seeking to become fully funded, and monthly supporters are needed. We'll repeat these details at the end of the program. Well, friends, Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapters 1 and 3 are detailed and rich prayers for his fellow believers in Ephesus. We can learn a lot from Paul's prayers 
Two other prayers of his may be found in Philippians chapter 1, 9 through 11, and Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 12. Check these prayers out. And friends, allow Paul to be your prayer coach. I have personally prayed his prayers and prayed them over others and even used a portion of a church service and a retreat meeting to have others pair up and pray these prayers over each other. Of course, another ideal coach is our Lord Jesus Christ. Many point to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 or Jesus' Prayer in John 17. But I'd like to suggest you read the Gospel of Luke, as Luke records numerous prayers of Jesus in a variety of life situations. Then there's Nehemiah, another wonderful prayer coach. His book is chock full of his own prayers. And lastly, I'd recommend reading through the Psalms like one each day. The Psalms revolutionized my own prayer life and taught me to pray detailed, specific prayers. Friends, I submit that as we grow in our prayer life, we not only realize the worth of prayer, but we also realize the warfare waged in prayer. And here's a good time to answer the question I posed earlier. While the real first century soldier made sure the ground under his feet was steady, Paul's spiritual parallel and exhortation to the Ephesian Christians was intended to teach them that prayer must undergird their walk, steadying their lives and empowering them to wage war against the satanic forces pitted against them. And here I'd like to share a personal adaptation of Ephesians 6.16 and the flaming arrows of the devil. In other words, the temptations he hurls against us. I mentioned in a previous session that some English translations for arrows is missiles, likely because during a Roman soldier's battle, the enemy's barrage of fiery arrows coming at them could look like missiles attacking. So I've turned the devil's missiles for evil on their head and picture my prayers as missiles for good. In other words, I picture my prayers for others as missiles of prayer aimed at and being sent to them or their situation at hand, trusting that my prayers land exactly on the target. So in this sense, my prayer functions like weapons, and why I chose to call today's session Prayer the Ultimate Weapon. By the way, friends, Paul's prayer coaching extends to young Timothy, the pastor of the Ephesian church. In 1 Timothy 2, 1-3, we read, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Notice, friends, all kinds of prayer for all kinds of people in all kinds of positions, the goal being that all people might be saved because this is God's desire. Ring a bell, anyone? Don't these words sound eerily similar to Paul's prayer request in Ephesians six eighteen through 20 our scripture under surveillance? Worth repeating, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Notice, friends, how Paul's prayer here in the close of Ephesians is both a coaching prayer 
and a missionary prayer. He coaches the Christians to pray for each other in Ephesus, but also for Christians elsewhere in the empire. Then his personal request is prayer for himself, for boldness to proclaim the good news as an ambassador for Jesus. While he's in prison, Paul never loses his missionary zeal, does he? He can pray for the Ephesians to persevere because he's a testimony to perseverance himself, isn't he? Let's remember now, friends, that Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, as well as his personal prayer request, occur while he's sitting in prison, sizing up the Roman soldier assigned to guard him. And verse 18 in the Greek New Testament has the word order changed around. The sentence beginning with the preposition through, sometimes translated with, as in a few English translations saying, through all prayer and supplication, or with every prayer and petition. My take is that this preposition acts like a connector, so we really can't just divorce prayer from the previous pieces of armor. Well, friends, it's time we see the connection between prayer and warfare, and time we never leave home without our warfare wardrobe on, including prayer. Prayer undergirds everything we do. It's the solid ground on which we stand and walk. And one last thing, I'll draw a parallel from the Hebrew scriptures Paul knew so well. I'm going to direct our attention to the Psalms. King David is an awesome example of someone who knew full well the connection between prayer and warfare. There's a slew of texts in the Psalms, but I've chosen a few that represent this parallel idea we've been talking about. And keep in mind, friends, that the David Psalms were prayers, eventually set to music, becoming the worship songs of ancient Israel. Psalm 35, 1-4, Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor. Arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your deliverance. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. Psalm 54, 1 through 4. Deliver me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. Arrogant foes are attacking me. Ruthless people seek my life. People without regard for God. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Psalm 61, 1 through 3. Hear my cry, O God. Give heed to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. And lastly, Psalm 44, 3 through 8, one of the Psalms of the sons of Korah. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. You are my king and my God, who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you we push back our enemies. Through your name we trample on our foes. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God we make our boast all day long, and we will praise your name forever. 
Friends, we're living in dangerous times. It's dangerous politically. It's dangerous economically. It's dangerous medically. It's dangerous socially. It's even dangerous technologically. But a greater danger than all these is the clear fact that it's dangerous spiritually. We live in dangerous times, spiritually speaking. The political, social, economic, technological, and religious landscape is becoming more adversarial and unfriendly to Christ followers. And spiritual warfare is not just battling the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Spiritual warfare also includes battling the human and worldly realms that impact and affect all these earthly systems, because it's here we can expect tribulations, as Jesus himself informed and warned us in John 16.33. Friends, let's not leave home thinking we don't need the full armor of God on, so get that warfare wardrobe out of the closet. Pick it up off the floor if it's lying there in a heap, or worse, strewn over a chair. Friends, it's time we see Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, assuming we'll dress in the full armor of God, conscientiously prepping to battle our enemy each day. After all, the New Testament believers clearly saw themselves wearing warfare wardrobes, not leisure suits. They left home with a military mindset and a prayer mindset. Will we? Amen? Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program. I hope this mini-series has been both a blessing and a challenge. As promised, our program will close with an email where you may inquire about helping fund a Word from the Word, which is a listener-funded program. I love coming alongside you without a church home or you who've been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts can be accessed at faithtalk1360.com faithtalk1360.com Also Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at christianbody.net A Word from the Word is broadcast in over 70 countries. If these teachings are helping you grow and nudging you to study God's Word more carefully, please invest in the mission of A Word from the Word. During these economically and financially challenging times, ministries are not immune. A Word from the Word is still seeking to become fully funded. Don't you consider helping? Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.